It is always a privilege to assemble on the Lord's Day. It is always a privilege to cast our cares and our petitions and supplications to our God through prayer. It's always a privilege to lift up our voices and sing songs of praise to Him. And it's always a privilege to hear God's Word presented. It's a, certainly a privilege for me to uh, be the, the bearer of that message. If you will, open your Bibles to Matthew 25. Matthew 25 will be our, our, our proof text for today. We'll spend the bulk of our time uh, uh, looking at the entirety of Matthew 25. <coughs> As man has divided the, the parables and the teachings of Jesus in, into chapters in, in the uh, gospel that Matthew has recorded for us, uh, Matthew 25 has three different parables, two parables and maybe just a, a, general, a general teaching. We're going to look at all three of these this morning. Often when we look at these, we look at them um, separately. We look at it, if you kind of glance through, you see we have the, the parable of the ten virgins and the bridegroom, that's uh, verses... 1 through 13. Then we have a, maybe a familiar parable to us, the parable of the talents. Starting in verse 14, we might look at that separately sometimes. And then we, we read of the sheeps and the goats that are separated on the last day, and maybe things that Jesus will say to those who are righteous, and things that Jesus will say to those that are unrighteous. Oftentimes we might look at those uh, separately. We might have to take a whole sermon and look at only the parable of the talents, only the parable of the ten virgins, only the parable or the teachings uh, of Jesus starting in verse 31. We're going to look at the, the entirety today because I think Jesus makes an interesting point in pairing these back to back to back and in closing with a teacher. So we're going to look at the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the, the talents, and uh, Jesus' teachings on judgment this morning. And there's three words that I want, want, want to pair with these three. Preparation, ability, and action. And look at how preparation, ability, and action can fit uh, into these parables and also how we can make application to them. So let's, let's jump straight into our text. Matthew 25, we're going to read uh, each section before we, before we begin to uh, make application to us. Matthew 25 and verse 1 reads, this is our Lord Jesus Christ uh, talking to, to those who listen. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps, and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus here uses a parable talking about virgins going into a wedding feast with the, with the groom. Uh, it was customary at the time to uh, have, have lamps. Maybe if it was late at night, they didn't have flashlights or cell phones with cameras on. So they had to have lamps with them. They would trim the, the wick on it. They had to have oil enough to last. The, the groom was late, though, is, is what we read here. The groom was late. And so they had to have enough oil 
to last. And the word that I want us to, to focus on from this parable of Jesus is that of preparation. We clearly see the idea of readiness in this. The, the, the five were ready. Well, all of them were ready. All of them were ready at least with a lamp. But what we see here is that five we, Jesus calls wise, wise and five Jesus calls foolish because even though they were all ready with their lamps, they were not prepared with all of the preparations. They didn't have enough oil. Turn to me, with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus here makes a, a very, uh, or Paul makes a very similar point to Titus. Titus chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 1 there. I with me, invite you to, to read with me the scriptures to um, make sure that which I'm saying is accurate. Titus chapter 3 states, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, and to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. But Titus here mentions, or Paul mentions to Titus, uh, to, speak, uh, to be ready for every good work. The idea of readiness is, is apparent here. You have to be ready. You have to be ready with, with all things. Prepared is different than readiness. They could have been prepared, but they were not ready for what was going to happen. We looked and we closed our Bible class this morning with uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, which states the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. We had an excellent Bible class this morning. There were excellent discussions to be had. I, I felt exhorted. Um, leaving it. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Peter states there that you have to be ready, you have to be prepared with your defense. If someone asks you a question and you're not prepared... That's a missed opportunity. We'll talk about missed opportunities in, in a little bit. They were ready, but they were not fully ready. Luke 12, I mentioned, Jesus mentions a very similar thing. Luke, excuse me, Luke 12 and verse 35. Jesus once more speaking, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. And you will return from the wedding that, you, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If we know when the thief is coming, we'll be ready. If we know when the thief is coming, we'll be ready. But we should be prepared for the thief to come no matter what. We should be prepared for whatever day that is. If we know, we can be ready beforehand. But we should always be prepared. The problem is that we don't know the exact hour that the thief is going to rob our house. If I knew the exact hour, I'd make sure my dog was out of the bedroom to go and take care of him. But I don't know, so we always have to have our doors locked. We have to take precautions. We have to be prepared for the thief to come. We can be ready, but we also have to wait, for we don't know the hour that's coming. It's the readiness that Jesus mentions in the parable of the ten virgins and, and, and the bridegroom and, and this parable of the, the faithful servants. It's the readiness that's paramount. We also see a, a goal in this parable. You turn back and look in, in Matthew 25. 
Matthew 25, there's, there's that goal um, that, all, that all the virgins had. And that goal was to wait for the bridegroom uh, to go to the wedding feast. They all had the same goal. They all had the same aim. Their goal was to go in with the groom. They had different preparations, though, as we see. All ten of them, as, as I've mentioned, all ten of them had their lamps. All ten had their lamps, but only five had enough oil to last for the time that they were there. We can make application to us today. We all have the same goal. Our goal is reaching heaven, bringing others with us. We wouldn't be here this morning if otherwise if, if our goal was not that. I think all of us can look around at everyone here and say our goal is to reach heaven. We all have the same goal. But have we made the necessary preparations? They had the lamps. All of them did. All of us have the same goal. All of us have done certain actions, at least to come here today to worship God. But did they have enough oil to keep that lamp lit? Do we have enough oil to keep our lamp lit? Lamp lit? I'll, I'll let you make that analogy to, to your own life, that, that, that pertinent conversation you can have with yourself. We might have the lamp, but do we have the necessities to keep our lamp fed? The, the other thing we can see in this parable is that of a missed opportunity. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, but the wise answered, saying, No, lest there the and the foolish said the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you. But go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. They had to leave to go buy oil. And once they left, the bridegroom came. There were five of them that were ready with the lamps and with the oil, and they got to go into the wedding feast. The others missed their opportunity. They had their lamps, but just having lamps wasn't good enough to go into the wedding feast because they got distracted and had to go make the necessary uh, uh, preparations. They were not fully prepared to go into the wedding feast. We cannot miss opportunities. Uh, the parable is, is obviously pointing towards heaven, the, the, the wedding feast being that of heaven, uh, but uh, there, are, there are opportunities all around us. So cast aside the, the, the heaven analogy for a second and just think of opportunities that we have. Pair it with 1 Peter chapter 3. If we are not ready to give a defense, well, we've missed an opportunity. If someone comes to us and says, well, why do you believe what, we, what, what you believe? And you don't know why you believe what you believe? That's a missed opportunity. When you could be telling them, this is why I believe, this is why I think you should believe, come with me to Wednesday night Bible study. Come with me to Sunday morning Bible study. Come with me to worship on Sunday. But if you are not able to give that, give that account, give that defense, if you are not prepared, you've missed an opportunity. Part of what it means to be a Christian is to help others along the way. We have to be prepared for anything life may throw at us rather than going to the store, buying oil, coming back. Because then by then, the doors are shut. Moving on to, to, to verse 14, the parable of the talents. Of the towns. And what I, what I want us to, to note here is the idea of ability. We looked at preparation with that of the, the bridegrooms and the wedding feast and the virgins. Here I want us to see ability. Let, let's start reading in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. 
And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your, of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited your money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from, he, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and national tea. The idea of ability is easy to see here. When we read talents, we can think back, that was actually a, a unit of money. He gave them a unit of money and said, make more money for me while I'm gone. Five did that, doubled his money, brought it back to the, to the Lord, and his Lord blessed him. Two did that, doubled his money, brought it back and blessed him. But the one dug, it, dug a hole in the ground, put it in the ground, put it under his mattress, if you will, and didn't do anything. And the Lord is, is angry with that. He says that you could have at least put it in the bank. You could have done something with what I've given you. You could have at least put it in the bank, and I would have gotten something on it. We well, see that person didn't even do that. So here, the, the, what we're, we're going to look at is the idea of utilizing our abilities. We have to do the best with what God has given us. And, and when we read this, obviously it's talking about money here, but it's an interesting, I, I'm going to call it providence, but the English word for ability is also talent. Um, so it's an easy connection for us to make. God has given us talents. God has given us abilities. What are we doing with them? When we think talents, our mind jumps straight to abilities. Uh, we've all been blessed by God with various talents. Um, I am not a talented man, but I know that there are lots of men and women in our audience today that are very talented, that can do a lot of things, can do a lot of good. What are we doing with the talents God has blessed us with? Maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the one talent. My Lord has only blessed me with one talent. I have to at least be using that talent the best I can. Maybe God has blessed you with five talents. Here we see the idea of doubling those talents, bringing, uh, planting, and reaping, and doing things to give back to our Lord when He comes. We see that the, the servants got their portions, and the one, he makes excuses. The, the man who got one talent, he makes his excuses. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is writing to our Ephesian brethren, the church at Ephesus. And he, he talks about blessings. Ephesians chapter 1, this is Paul, an apostle of Jesus by the will of God, writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. Starting in verse 3, 
Paul states, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he should be holy and without blame before him in love. We might not have the same amount of physical talents, physical abilities, but Paul here is talking about spiritual blessings. And what's the... Read that verse for yourselves in verse, verse 3. What's the numeric adjective there? What kind of spiritual blessings? What's the numeric adjective? Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Not blessed someone with one spiritual blessing. Blessed someone with three spiritual blessings. Someone with five spiritual blessings. Someone with ten, whatever the numbers may be. Paul states that we have the exact same amount of spiritual blessings. We have every spiritual blessings. That spiritual blessing being the hope of salvation, the, the promise of salvation if we follow uh, what he's left for us. Um, oftentimes we're quick to, to say what we're not good at. Uh, we're quick to say what we can't do, what we're not able to do. Uh, what lessons can we learn from this parable as we, as we turn back and, and delve more deeply into Matthew 25? We can see the talents were doubled. The abilities were doubled. It's not the, the number of talents, because as we see, the, the one who had five ended up with ten. And what was the reward for that? The reward was, blessed are you, enter in. What was the reward for the one who had three? A, a, a side? A side reward? Well, you didn't get ten, so you, you can't just, you can't come in this this is the VIP, this is the club, this is the, the club entrance, the club box. No, it's the exact same reward. The one who had five talents doubled it, he had ten. The one who had three talents, or excuse me, two talents, two talents doubled it, had four. And they both got the exact same reward. Blessed are you, enter in. We can only enter in if we are doing something with our talents. The one who had one. I would think that even if he had put it in the bank and did something with this talent, might not have doubled it. Maybe he made 15% on it, whatever he would have made. I would have still thought that he could still enter into the enter into the reward because he did something with his talent. He did something with his ability. We cannot take a take what we've been given and hide it. If we think about it, apply that to not just physical abilities, physical talents, our spiritual blessings, we've been given the exact same number of spiritual blessings. That is the, the gift of the gospel, the gift of salvation. What are we doing with that? We can do lots of things. I, can, I think that God has gifted me, not with the gift of music, but the... Uh, musicians are made. I don't think you can be born a musician. I think musicians are made. So you can practice enough. Anyone can be a musician. He's gifted me with the ability to practice to be a musician. But if I'm not doing anything with that, well, that's, that's no good. But God has gifted all of us with the exact same spiritual blessings of salvation. What are we doing with that? Are we doubling that? Are we bringing another person with us, and they bring another person with them, and they bring another person with them, and all of a sudden it's exponential growth for the church? Or are we hiding it in the ground, our spiritual blessings of salvation? And it reminds me of another saying of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, it's, it's not God's plan for us to hoard our talents. We cannot put ourselves under a basket. 
Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 states, this is once again Jesus talking to, to his disciples and anyone who would listen. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Our, our, our talents, our abilities, our spiritual blessings have been given the same. What are we doing with them? Are we putting the gospel under a basket? Are we putting a gospel in a hole in the ground waiting for Jesus to come back? I've got my soul saved. I put the one away. Are we working to bring others to him? Are we trying to double what has been given to us? We have to be good stewards of what's been given to us. There, there's also this danger uh, of losing what little that we have. Um, we see it in, in Matthew 25. The, the one who had one, he ended up not even having the one. Well, what happened at the end of that parable? I'm going to mark my place so I can keep on turning back to Matthew 25. Well, what happened at the end of this parable? The, the Lord is upset with them. He said, you didn't even do the bare minimum. At least put it away somewhere. You hid it in a hole in the ground and didn't do anything with it. And so what happened to his talents? It was given to the person who had ten. There's a danger of losing that, that the little that we have. There are serious consequences for, for not using our talents. Hebrews chapter 2. Or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 3, the, the Hebrew writer states this same concept. Hebrews chapter 3, and, and starting in verse 12, we could really start at the, the beginning of, of chapter 3, but let's start in verse 12. The Hebrew writer gives us a warning. He states saying, Beware, brethren, lest there be any in lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. While we still have today, we have to exhort each other. We have to use the opportunities that we've been given. We have to use our abilities so that they are not lost. Back in Matthew 25, we've got one more teaching of Jesus. We've looked at the preparation of the, the virgins and the bridegroom. We've looked at the ability that the, uh, the stewards were given. One had five, one had two, one had one. But one eventually lost his because he didn't use it. Matthew 25, verse 31. We're going we're to pair this with the word action. We looked at preparation, ability. Here's our action. And this is a, a little lengthier of a passage, but I'm, I'm going to read the entirety of it, starting in verse 31 down through the end of the chapter. And, and let's think of action as we read through this. And Jesus states, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. 
Then he'll turn and say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, you didn't clothe me. Sick, and in prison, you didn't visit me. And they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and didn't minister to you? And he'll answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God recognizes action. Here we see a separation of the, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are on his right hand. I had to pause. I knew I was going to get that mixed up if I went too fast. The sheep are on his right hand. The goats on his left hand. God recognizes action and separates based off of action. The goats on the left have not done the will of God. The sheep on the right have. God knows what we've done. We have to speak for our actions on the last day. I'm not certain if it's a, a, a literal speaking, giving account. I think God knows all. I don't know how that's going to play out. But there will be an account to be given for what we've done. Uh, let's look at Luke 12 uh, to, to further prove this point. Luke chapter 12 and verse 2. Jesus is talking, speaking really of hypocrisy. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And starting in verse 2, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have spoken in the ear and inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Whatever you've spoken, whispered to someone in the basement, in the room furthest away, in the dark, will be made known. It will be proclaimed from the roof, rooftops. Do we think we can hide our actions from God? Think about Jonah. Did that work out for Jonah? Try to hide our actions from God. Try to hide from God. Think about our story of Jonah. What happened to Jonah? He said, no, I'm not going to go. I'll pretend to go. But I'm going to turn around and go the opposite direction. God eventually made him see that that was wrong. And he ended up being... Uh, a good prophet. But at first, that did not work out for Jonah. God knows all. We'll turn back to the Hebrews. Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge on, on many subjects. Hebrews chapter 4 this time. Here we see that, that nothing is out of sight of God, just as, as Jesus has told us. Nothing spoken is out of earshot of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 13 states, And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We're creatures of God. There is nothing that we do that is hidden from him, and we must give an account for what we've done. We can turn that to, it sounds very negative. If we're negatively doing something, God sees that, of course. But think about the sheep. The sheep did what was right. God knows that they did what was right, and they were rewarded for that. That should be the mindset we have, not, not necessarily, I can't do this because God will see it and knows it's wrong. That shouldn't be the mindset. We should be thinking, I should be doing these things so that I can get my reward. Salvation is still tied to action, friends. Nothing is out of the sight of God. The sheep get the kingdom through their actions, but God, the goats get the punishment because of these actions. And when we read those, uh, uh, a sick uh, and visit, and prison visit, um, 
naked and clothed. Who, who do we do these things for? If these are the actions we're basing our salvation on, who do we do these things for? Well, the Good Samaritan tells us that in Luke chapter 10. It might be a familiar story to some of us. Luke chapter 10 and verse 30. And, and even the people of the day questioned him. Like, who is our neighbor? Question Jesus. Who is our neighbor? And so Jesus had to, had to tell another parable. Someone wanting to justify himself. Note that. That's where that question comes from. Wanting to justify his actions. Said, and who is my neighbor? Trying to, to, to catch Jesus. Jesus said, a certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and they beat him, stripped him, beat him up, left him for dead. A priest walked by, saw him, passed on the other side. A Levite came to the place, looked at him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, someone who the Jews saw with disdain, they looked down on Samaritans as he journeyed. They lived amongst them, but they, they did not regard them as, as pleasant. As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him that had been beaten, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine, and set him on a, his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of them, and whatever more you spend, I'll come and I'll repay you. So Jesus asked him a question. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor that gave him fellow thieves? And so the man had to reply. He said, he said, He who showed mercy on him, and Jesus said, Go and do likewise. Those that we should be doing actions toward is everyone we come in contact with. Anyone who, come in, who we come in contact with is those we should have. We should have compassion and love for everyone. As, as Paul states in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, he states, Therefore, as we have opportunity, note opportunity, we've looked at that word already. We're not missing opportunities. We're prepared to do these things. We are able to do these things. God has blessed us, but we have to take action. As we have opportunity... Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. First of all, it's the household of faith, but it does not stop there. We should be doing good to all. As we come to a close, we've looked at preparation, ability, and action. We'll make a couple of applications specific to, specifically to us. Let's tie all of them together. Because like I said, we often take one at a time when we cherry-pick them out and then study just the talents, study just the just the, uh, the, the sheep of the goats, study just the, the virgins and the bridegroom. Let's look at them in their whole. Jesus here, all of them have to do with the coming of the kingdom. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, talking about the uh, judgment day, he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then in verse 1, he says, the kingdom of heaven shall be like this. All of these are about the kingdom of heaven. All of these are about our salvation. Are we prepared? Are we using our abilities? And are we taking action on our abilities? We have to make the necessary preparations. We have to have a lamp, first of all. None of them would be there if they didn't have a lamp. If they didn't have a lamp, they would have shown them. We see all ten of them did have a lamp. They were prepared, or at least a little bit. And those that got to go in, though, were fully prepared. Those that got to go in had oil enough to wait out the night until the bridegroom came. We have to have oil prepared, and, and really that oil is prepared according to our abilities. If they couldn't have bought the oil, they couldn't have had oil. But the oil is according to our abilities. We can have our lamps. We can be present. That's the minimum. We have to have oil according to our abilities to wait out the night. Our readiness paired with our ability, action has to come from that. 
Readiness paired with ability really equals action. If we're not taking action, we're just casting away that equation entirely, not doing what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 25. So when we get to the end of Matthew 25, we see the separation of the sheep and the goats. Our Lord separates the sheep versus the goats based on action. With a lamp prepared with oil according to our talents, with actions rooted in the truth, doing the things that Jesus tells us to do, that the Gospels tell us to do, that our, our, our brethren, that our apostles tell us to do, and especially through faith, we should be living our lives as lamps on a hill, not casting away our talents, not casting away our salvation, putting our soul away. We know that one's good. We're going to bury that one. We should be getting others. We should be doubling what we have. Preparation and ability are squandered in the absence of action. So as we come to a close, I want to read one last verse, and the lesson will be yours. Hebrews chapter 10. Like I said, the book of Hebrews is a, a wealth of information and knowledge on not just messianic prophecy and how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament and the, the thread of salvation that ran from Genesis to Revelation, but also just life lessons, how we should be living. Hebrews chapter 10, this is the last verse we'll read in the lesson will be yours, starting in verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and you who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or draw back to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. The race that we run is hard. Hebrew writer talks about endurance a good deal. We have need of endurance. We have a need of endurance because we don't know the day that the Lord is going to come. We can be good today and say, this day, I'm going to be good. And just put all of our money on Jesus coming today. It doesn't work that way. We're not, we're not betting on that. We know Jesus will come, but our preparation, our ability, and our actions have to be long-term. Have to be rooted in the belief that Jesus will come. And if we do those actions that are correct, then we will be saved. We might think of ourselves as prepared. We might recognize our abilities. We might recognize our talents that we've given. And we may call ourselves sheep. But what are our actions say? Are we acting on our preparation? Or are we just sitting, waiting idly, hoping the day will come to pass? Are we using our abilities? Or are we squandering them, putting them in hole in the ground, not double? Are we doing the actions of sheep? Or are we doing the actions of goods? That's the question I'll leave you with for, for, for this morning. We've looked at three things, preparation, Ability and action. <clears throat> Part of being a child of God is, is making that first step, that first step of action of, of calling on his name, asking for forgiveness of sins, being immersed in the watery grave of baptism, coming up a new man, coming up a new woman, and devoting your life towards preparation, ability, and action. If there's anyone this morning that uh, can render obedience to that call, we bid you come while we stand and while we sing the song of